0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.
1: You can wrap this with my friend in maroon
0: and white. Ten seconds. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Bingo! Bingo!
1: Listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi, covering Mississippi state sports like nobody else.
0: Hey, y'all! I don't know why I decided to go Paula Dean there for a second, but whatever. Thunder and Lightning live here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Brian. Hey, Dad Rhino down there in Studio X. He'll make sure everything is done. As good as it possibly can be with me as the host. And that's 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 a low bridge there, but we'll we'll get through it. Thanks for joining me here on a Wednesday evening. We've got a great show planned for you, including in about uh, 13 minutes we're going to be joined by the head coach of Mississippi State basketball, Chris Jans. Looking forward to talking to him after his big win last night and as his team uh, sits on the precipice of earning an invitation to the NCAA tournament for the first time in five years lot to talk about from that game last night as I was there in the hump. And, and, a, and a game that, you know, we talked about uh, on on Sports Talk Mississippi and we talked about it on Thunder and Lightning Podcast that Mississippi State simply could not lose in terms of the, what the consequences would have been. And look at, well, I want you guys to look at it from this perspective. State won that game. All right? They got the win. And their net dropped five spots. What happens today if State loses that game? What state's net? They're 44 right now. 50? 55? I mean, how, how far do they drop with a loss there? They could not afford to do that if they wanted to, to maintain any idea of having a bid to the NCAA tournament come their way on Selection Sunday. But that's what they did. They got the win. Uh, it was not the kind of game you probably thought it was going to be. Both teams shot the ball relatively well. There was some offense in this game. Um the win over, if you, had, if you had placed a bet on the under like I've been advising you to do all year, you were a loser on that one, my bad. But State did enough to win. You know, South Carolina came out, took a lead. State fought back, got the lead into the, going into the half. Come out in the second half, South Carolina comes out hot again. They get the lead. State fights back, gets the lead, and then takes the win. I uh, told Smith, good game. Shaq Moore, Shaq Moore just likes playing South Carolina, I guess. He went over 20 points. In both of their games, and then Sean Jones in double figures as well for the Bulldogs. That's a guy I, I got my eye on him in terms of the future at Mississippi State. He he is a very intriguing prospect uh, for the Bulldogs because he seems to be getting better and better each week. And he missed some games early in the season, and I, I you know I think that sort of you know hindered his development a little bit. But now that we're getting towards the end of the season, and he's got all this experience. He just seems to be playing better each and every single week. Um, and, of course, State state made defensive plays when they had to, but more importantly, they made shots when they had to in this game. At the free throw line as well, they shot over 70% in this one. Um, they just played a really good, sound team game, I thought. You know, I've been saying for weeks that I don't think State's played a complete game. This was probably as close to it as you get. They're still not good from the three-point line, but at this point, I mean, you've you're got one game left in the regular season. You just kind of are what you are from the three-point line if you're Mississippi State, so... Mm-hmm good win for the Bulldogs no question about that and and again a question a, a a win they absolutely had to have Dwayne and Brandon asking why did they drop I mean it's simple as they played one of the worst teams in college basketball uh, there was a big w- momentum shift or a big shift in the in the net last night with Iowa going on the road and beating Indiana that moved up Iowa up from 43 to 33. Indiana moved down from 18 to 28 and then there's just you know the aftershocks of that, you end up where you end up. Basically, a lot of teams dropped. State dropped a little further than maybe I, I thought. I honestly thought they might stay up, but I didn't see them drop into forty four. Forty four is a big drop, and that's to me has changed this Vanderbilt game's perception. To me, I would have told you on Monday that State, as long as they beat South Carolina, they were fine. No, no, no questions asked. They're going to get in the NCAA tournament. Now I think they might just need to just go ahead and remove all the doubt. If you finish five hundred in the conference, you're getting in with twenty one wins and a net in the in the high thirties, low forties. You're just you're going to be in at that point. A loss makes it more interesting. A loss makes you think that you might have to return to Nashville next week and, and take a couple games just to be sure in the SEC tournament. You know, state as it stands today, on if you look at bracketology and, and bracketology, is, I'm learning a lot. I haven't had to follow a lot of bracketology these last few years. Because of Mississippi State basketball, they just haven't had to. Um, but Joe Lenardi does a pretty good job of of, of planning, you know, of, of plotting out how this is going to go. But there's a lot of models, and his model doesn't agree with everybody else's model. A lot of the models out there say state's in regardless of all this, comfortably in the field of 64, not 68, not playing in the play-in game. Lenardi has them in the play-in game as we speak, so they would play in the uh, the opening, uh, the first four games there in Dayton. Before getting into the tournament proper, with a win, the the bracket I saw today, I saw, I think it was Andy Katz's bracket. (laughs) So he had State in a play-in game against Wisconsin. So that's enough of a rock fight right there. That's two teams, you know, first team to fifty-five probably wins that game. And then he has him going into the tournament, and the winner of that game playing Virginia. So just when you thought it couldn't get any uglier, just when you thought the basketball couldn't be, you know, pushed back any further in the 1930s, Mississippi State versus Virginia, I mean, they might as well just legalize swords on the court at that point. That would be an ugly ugly basketball game. I'd like state ch- state chances in it though because I think state thrives down there. I think they thrive in the mud. They like to they like to get dirty. They like to, to play, you know, in in that style of uh. Uh, of tempo and 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 that style of play. So this game with Vanderbilt's very interesting. And Vanderbilt's such an interesting team; they should be easily in the NCAA tournament. They have nine conference wins already this year, but they have bad losses, and, and, and they have you know, a couple of quad four losses. They have, I, I believe, they're lost to Southern Miss as a quad three loss. I mean, they they just don't have. Those are things you can't have on your resume. That's another big reason why State is as good as they are right now. They have one quad three loss, and it was. In, in in you know mid january state's won 8 of its last uh, sorry, 7 of its last 9 if they win on saturday they'll have won 8 of their last 10 games that is as picture perfect a resume for getting into the tournament as you can you're playing well at the right time you're hot at the end of the season you finish a 500 or above in your conference you've got a good net there's nothing not to like about Mississippi State's tournament resume. You don't have any bad losses. If state wins on Saturday, they'll have nine combined quad 1 and 2 wins. That, that that's a great resume. They'll they'll be in regardless. They can if they win Saturday, they can go to the SEC tournament, lose the first game to whoever they play and feel completely confident about what's going to happen on selection Sunday. If they lose, they might need to hang around a little while next week in when, when, when the SEC tournament. It's, it is interesting to me how with one game remaining, a, a win can affect your resume as much as this did. And like I said, I shudder to think what Staten's net would have been with a loss. I don't know if there's any simulations or models that that, that predict those kind of things, but it, it's really easy to, for me to say they were 39, they dropped to 44 with a win, they would have dropped to 50 with a loss, and at that point you're in trouble. You're in real trouble because you're then you're behind Missouri. Missouri is still sitting at 49. And there you go. Two games to watch tonight in the SEC. They, they will affect Mississippi State. One is Vanderbilt and Kentucky. Um, in, in terms of, 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 of net, I don't think even with a win, Vanderbilt's net is 85. For it to be a quad one game for state, it has to go to 75. I don't think even with a win they would jump 10 spots. But obviously you want to see how Vanderbilt's playing. You can watch that game. And then Alabama hosts Auburn tonight. Auburn is at 37, I believe, in the net as of today. They've lost uh, five of their last seven. Their last two games are against Alabama and Tennessee, so they have a chance to sort of be the opposite of Mississippi State, and they're finishing weak. They will have lost seven of their final nine games going into the SEC tournament in all likelihood. Um, You know, you go back to the game that Mississippi State lost to Auburn uh, in, what, early January, second week of January, I believe. And a game that state was 0 of 18 from the three point line. I mean, that's one of those where you say, "Gosh, if they could play again, you'd probably take Mississippi State to win that game." But as it is, you can't do that. So Auburn has the head-to-head. I'm interested to see the SEC tournament bracket as well. It's just is really clustered right now. We're gonna you're gonna have to wait until the final weekend of the season to sort of see how the middle, you know, the top three are kind of where they are. Uh, You know, Alabama, Texas A&M. Uh, and, and, and Tennessee are just sort of there, and then Kentucky is in fourth. And then you got this big jumble of nine and you know, eight, nine and seven, nine and eight teams, eight and nine teams, and it's just going to have to kind of figure it out. So we'll see what happens there. Alabama also, they, they would clinch, uh, they have clinched a share of the title if they win tonight. And then if they can win it outright, they play Texas AM Saturday. They would be the outright SEC champions. if A and M yeah, if AM Yeah, no, no, I'm wrong. I'm right. Yeah. Alabama is has already clinched a share of the title. They would clinch it outright now that I think about it. With with a win tonight, I think. I could be wrong. It's a tainted title anyway. We're gonna who we, who we who we kidding. We all know what's going on there. All right, when we come back, we got a we got an appointment with the dentist. Coach Chris Jans joins us talk about his team and their chances to play in the big dance what's selection sunday which is only 11 days away it's good to be excited about that again we'll talk to him in just a few minutes this is thunder and lightning live here on super talk mississippi 7 at supertalk.fm thunder and lightning on supertalk mississippi welcome back to thunder and lightning here on supertalk mississippi i'm brian hayden and joining me now The head men's basketball coach at Mississippi State University, a man known as the dentist by our friend John Rothstein, Chris Jans. Coach, John also has another saying. He likes to say, this is March, and this is March. It's March the 1st. Has it felt like March for you for about the past five or six weeks? It feels like your team, maybe not in must-win mode every game, but you knew you had to pile up some wins.
1: Yeah, it's felt like March for weeks, not going to lie. You know, I'm used to being in a league where you had to win three games at the conference tournament to play in March Madness. Now, don't get me wrong, when you're going down the stretch and you're fighting for a regular season championship, those are meaningful, and, I mean, we try to have an attitude and approach of every game being the Super Bowl, of how we prepare as a staff, and then obviously let it bleed down into the players, but... Um, just with the quality of opponents and coaches that we're playing each and every night, and you know that we finally got some wins, you know strung together where we got ourselves back in the conversation. It just felt like each and every night, you know, was a must-win situation. And um, so it's been, as I talked about last night after the game, almost a surviving and advanced mentality, especially the last two or three games where uh, how you play is almost irrelevant. It's more just hey, figure out a way to get a win and and get on to the next one.
0: I think coaches like to hear that their teams are mentally tough. I think they take that as a compliment. And I think your team is mentally tough. And I'll just tell you that a year ago, I didn't think they were mentally tough. I I just didn't. Is that something that you have to coach, or is that something that they, they either have it or they don't?
1: Well, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, I'd say we're still a work in progress, but we've definitely gotten better in that category. And, yeah, I would tell you most coaches would, would agree with your sentiment that you would love to have people that are in the know and understand what's going on out there, that your team has some mental toughness to it. Because at the end of the day, when you get late in the season and scouting is at a all-time high and familiarity is you know strong with everybody, that you're playing. I mean, you just kind of have to have those kids stay strong together and, and fight through the ups and downs of each particular game and the runs that come with it. And um, this team's definitely gotten better in, in that category. And um, I think there's a lot of that goes into it. Certainly recruiting has something to do with it. You know, you do your due diligence and try to find guys that fit you know, the style and personality that you want to have as a program and as a team. And, and then definitely once you get your group together, you know, you, you try to put them in situations, uh, create a little bit of adversity at times to see how they're going to handle it, you know, with, with whatever the case is. I mean, you just try to find ways and experience, you know, helps to put them in those situations. And then certainly when you get to the games, you know, they're in the, in, the, in the big end of the pool, if you will, the deep end, and they've got a you know, safer swim at times. And, um, you know, being in those situations in the games and see how they handle it kind of gives you an idea of where they're at for sure.
0: I just want to point out that within your answer, you referred to me as somebody in the know. So I'm going to put that on my resume. I am a person in the know when I would,
1: it comes to college basketball. I would, I would basketball. strive for more. I would strive for more than me telling you you're a guy in the know, okay? I would Coach, I take what more. I can I get in this life. about the fact that I didn't realize that, you know, when John Laskin decided to, you know, give me and our program um, some exposure, I guess, um, or at least a name, and he's been prone to do for a lot of coaches uh, that he's been (laughs) handing out these names, that it was going to stick so much locally, and I'm not complaining. um, I just didn't realize that would be the lead-in to uh, tonight's conversation.
0: (laughs) I I, I said on Twitter today I had a dentist appointment at 6.20 p.m., so here (laughs) you are. I'm, I'm in the chair with you. Oh, I, you know, being in the media, we we talk about preseason and expectations, and and what I would tell you is that this team has overachieved relative to my expectations of them back in November, and I think most people in the media would would tell you the same. As a coach, do you ever think in terms like that? Do you ever think, hey, this team, I'm getting more out of this team than maybe even I expected, or or do you think about being, you know, I'm ahead of schedule, we're behind schedule, especially in terms of during the season.
1: Not really. You know, I think obviously most coaches are uber-competitive, and when you read the prognosticators and all the people that are smarter than us try to pick an order of finish, I mean, it's really, really hard to do, especially in the landscape of college basketball with the portaling and the transferring that there is now. But, um, I mean, you always want to exceed expectations, right? That's what everyone's goal is, to be better than what you're expected, to um, use it as motivation and, um, you know, I, I'm not trying to, I mean, this, this is what it is. Like we haven't exceeded my expectations of this year's team. Once we got them together and we started practicing, you know, I thought we'd have a chance. You never know how the season will unfold. And I was obviously clueless to what it's like to go through an SEC schedule Um and so I didn't, you know, have anything to compare it to in terms of this team competing in this league. But our staff and our players, I mean, we we, we talked in the fall about, you know, where we wanted to be at this point in the year, and, and we're there. I mean, certainly I'd love to have another win or two under my belt, but, you know, we don't. And that's where we're at, and, and we're in this position that, Every game is so meaningful, and it's that survive and advance mantra already, even though we're not in the conference tournament yet or any other postseason tournament. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I'll let other people judge if we've exceeded expectations or not, but uh, we're just really focused on you know, trying to prepare for, for each and every game and, and get the most out of this team as we head down the stretch.
0: I don't think it's it's any you know great mathematical equation to say a team plays better when its best player plays better. And you know you look at the first 5 games especially of SEC play Tolu Smith I didn't think he was playing very well had a, had a, had some rough times especially at the free throw line the Alabama game on the road he, he he turned it around and since then has been playing at an incredibly high level what changed for him in terms of his game maybe his preparation that's that's turned him back into the player we had seen the previous years
1: Yeah I would agree with everything you said um You know, I'm not sure. I try not to speak for for my guys. But I don't know of any one instant or one moment or one play or even one game that turned the tide for Tolu. But he definitely struggled early. Um, One thing that stuck out to me was, was almost as if he was begging for fouls when he got around the basket, that he would make his move and like his goal was to get fouled rather than Actually, put the ball in the basket, and he had a lot of attempts that were flailing attempts at the rim. And I was just a little surprised, and I talked to him about it because it's not like he was a veteran of this league, and he knew how physical it was more so than I did, and should have known that that wasn't going to work. That these officials are the best of the best, and they're not going to, you know, get tripped by any of that, you know, flailing around and, and acting like you got fouled. And it's a physical league, regardless. Uh, of the histrionics that go on sometimes when you're trying to draw a foul. And um, I believe that that had something to do with it. He kind of got back to more focused on just, you know, if I get fouled, I get fouled, I'm going to make this move and not worry about getting blocked or getting fouled and and, and see what happens. And um, he just, to me, just he's got more comfortable in his space. Um, Certainly the system. You know, it's new for him, and um, he understands, you know, what his role is in it and where he's going to get the ball and, you know, all the things that we run specifically for him and then even in our breakdown offense of, of where he can, you know, fit in and, and get touches and, and get opportunities in space. And what I've been most impressed with is just his growth of now that people are have given him so many different coverages around the basket when he has the ball. And he's just handled it, for the most part, really, really good, especially lately, like last night. You know, he had three assists and zero turnovers, and he had to handle, you know, some trapping situations. And then even handling, you know, our point guard being trapped off of him because he doesn't shoot the ball from the perimeter and getting the ball in space and, you know, not being a deer in headlights, you know, being able to function um, away from the basket like that and make the correct play. And um, so he's really in a good rhythm and certainly – I think the confidence in the free throw stroke has gotten better and better, and um, hopefully that's all behind him.
0: Only got maybe a minute left to go, but I think the term "glue guy" sometimes gets overused. But that's Cam Matthews to me for, for for this team. Just in in sixty seconds or less, what does he mean to your team?
1: One word: Warrior. And that's about as big a compliment as I'll probably ever give someone. Um, He's a warrior. I mean, he just – he's ready to roll. You know, whatever we need, if if it requires, uh, you know, switching on to whomever, you know, he's going to get it done. Um, He's just highly competitive, cares about winning, cares about our basketball program and our basketball team, and he's, you know, an emotional leader for us, and he's so darn coachable. I mean, that's what I probably love the most is, you know, he likes to be coached. He handles coaching, and he's a big part of our team, obviously.
0: One more game in the regular season for Mississippi State this Saturday at Vanderbilt as they try to put a bow on a tournament resume. Coach Chris Jans, thank you so much for your time tonight. I really, really appreciate it.
1: All right, Brian. Appreciate it, man.
0: Coach Chris Jans, we'll be back in just a few minutes here on Thunder and Lightning. Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. You called down the thunder. Well, now you've got it. We're back here on Thunder and Lightning Live here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Brian Haydad, Rhino down there in Studio X. He's God of Thunder. What a great song. Makes me feel good about life when I hear it. Hey, if you missed our interview with Chris Jans, which was just a few minutes ago, don't worry about it. We got you covered. You can always catch the replay of the Thunder and Lightning uh, sh- live on the podcast feed. Anywhere you get podcasts from, it's available there. Also, uh, we will have that uh, clipped out and available for you on the Super Talk YouTube channel. And if you haven't subscribed, Uh, Mississippi's YouTube channel. You're missing out. Everything great that we do here at Super Talk, all the news and all the sports that we put out every day, it's just right there for you. Every interview we do with newsmakers here in our state or with our sports figures here in our state, goes straight to that YouTube channel, uh, courtesy of of our, our social media teams. So check that out. Subscribe to it today. Subscribe to our, our podcast, not only Thunder and Lightning, but the Rebel Report, the Eagle Hour, the Sports Talk Mississippi podcast. It's all there. Oh, and by the way, it don't cost nothing either. So when I see, you know, other media organizations, hey, we're running a special on this, we're running a special on that, hey, we got a we got this going for you for a limited time. Guess what? It's always free here at Super Talk Mississippi. Don't cost nothing. You can listen all you want. So there you go. Uh let's talk a little baseball. I don't think that if you had told me uh, prior to about 9 o'clock last night that Mississippi State was going to walk 11 USM batters and hit another one of them uh, and have three errors in the game that they were going to win, I probably would have told you they lost by 10. That is not what happened. Mississippi State, in my opinion, absolutely steals one from Southern Miss, who didn't play well either. Let's just be totally honest. Southern had eight walks. They hit five batters in that game, uh, and uh, just gave, had an error of their own. But they were up 9-6 going into the uh, the bottom of the eighth, and State was able to load the bases with nobody out and then get a, a wild pitch, a sack fly, an RBI single, another sack fly to take a 10-9 lead. Bring in, or had Nate Dom in there, and he closed the game out for the Bulldogs, as he has been doing uh, pretty effectively early in the season. And State gets a win. They move to 6-3. and three. Let's not... Start a party yet. Let's not throw any Mississippi State baseball is back yet celebrations. But a win is a win, and that's three straight wins. Somebody had this on the text line the other day. That's the state's first time to have won three straight since they, uh, they beat UAB and then Auburn back-to-back uh, in, what, April of last year. It's been a while for Mississippi State. A lot more three-game losing streaks in there than there were three-game uh, winning streaks for the Bulldogs. Uh, they're six and three now. They head to, Fres- uh, to Frisco for a uh, a tournament with uh, f- three other Power Five teams: Ohio State on Friday night, Oklahoma on Saturday, and a Sunday game against the Cal Golden Bears. So, an interesting field. You know, those those are the other three schools are not necessarily you know baseball powers by any, any stretch of the imagination. I know Oklahoma played for the national title last year. It's irrelevant who they who they lost to. Um. But Ohio State, according to Crystal Monus and again I, I mentioned this on the podcast, I, I got to look a little deeper into Ohio State. He says they, their Friday night g- guy is very good. But these are not, you know, these these are th- three programs that, coming off of any other season in the world, if you had said Mississippi State's playing in a tournament with these three programs, you would say they will easily win two and probably win all three. But there's still question marks about this team because of the way they play defense and the way they pitch, and it's so interesting. Like you've got. A real clear dividing line on the pitching staff between you've got some guys who are fine and there are some guys who have issues. They just cannot throw strikes. They're walking guys at a high rate that you can't believe. Now, my part my podcast partner, Robbie Falk, brought something up, and this you'll hear this on tomorrow's Thunder and Lightning. That maybe the pitch clock is affecting these guys a little bit. Possibly. Could possibly be the case. You know, and you've got guys like Nate Dom. Who is a fast worker. Landon Gartman. We asked him about that on Sunday after his uh, pitching performance. He said, doesn't bother me. I like to get the ball and go. But you've got some guys who do. They like to take their time. So maybe that's affecting them a little bit. You know, Bradley Lofton. I know that guy is better than what he pitched last night. You know, he had five walks last night. That's not the Bradley Lofton we saw in week one. It's certainly not the one who was one of the most highly recruited players uh, in high school baseball a season ago. The guy we haven't seen, there's two guys we haven't seen. Let's start with Aaron Nixon, who, you know, I kind of understand why he didn't get an inning last week. I mean, you look at 5-1 game, uh, they didn't didn't really want to, you know, make a move there on Saturday, and then Sunday was a blowout. Why bring him in? I thought they might try to find him an inning, but they didn't. To not throw him last night I thought was interesting, and so, you know, now the rumor mill is going to start moving. Uh, It'll be next week before we know anything on that with Aaron Nixon, but... I'm interested to see, obviously, if he plays this weekend. And then the guy that I know is going to pitch this weekend is Gerangelo Senjay. And that's the guy that, you know, the fact that he didn't pitch last night, I will not, I know some MSU fans, if you look on social media, reports, oh, he's going to start on Friday. I would hold my horses on that one. I fully think that Cade that Smith will get to start Friday. But I think Senjay will be one of the first guys out of the pen if it goes sideways. You know, Cade Smith last week, not a great start. There's no, no getting around that. He did not pitch well. But in prior starts, he had pitched well. You know, I think sometimes we just get so caught up. In a, and with state fans right now, I understand you know, you're kind of on edge with this baseball program. It was a bad season last year. You want to bounce back and get back to Mississippi State baseball. I get it. But sometimes you just have a bad start. So you throw Kate Smith out there this weekend and you see what happens. And if he's okay, he's okay. Now, is he a Friday night guy? Is he a cut from the same cloth as, a, as an Ethan Small or a Dakota Hudson or a Chris Stratton? No, I don't think that. But he's a quality pitcher. So if he has a good start this week, you move forward. And if he doesn't, then you make changes. and Make it really simple. And I think you go Graham Eintema on, on Saturday. He was very good last week. Kind of a revelation, to be honest with you. You know, A guy that when it comes to preseason hype, there was zero surrounding him. But he came out and gave you a strong pitching performance. And then Landon Gartman has been very good. And that's kind of what Mississippi State fans and people expected. Coming from Memphis, where he had been a successful pitcher, had been an all AAC guy up there, you thought coming into Mississippi State, he was going to be good. You're seeing some guys pop up here and there in the bullpen. You know, we mentioned Nate Dom. I think he's been very, very good. Uh, Evan Seary, a freshman from Starkville, here in Starkville, has been good for Mississippi State. Uh, last night, you know, you, you had some ups and downs in the bullpen, obviously. You had, you know, a, a couple of good performances and you had a couple of bad performances. Or I guess I should just say one bad performance out of the bullpen. You know, you, you didn't have a great night from, uh, I've got his name right here, from Ty Davis, who in two-thirds of an inning you know, gives up two hits and a couple of walks. That's not what you want. But then you bring in Ty Harden, and he does walk a couple, but doesn't give up a hit, strikes out two, and, and gets through the inning. And then, like with Nate Dom. You know two and a third, and he gets four strikeouts. He does have a walk, one hit, one run. It was unearned. So it's just been it's just been a, a a mixed bag out of the bullpen. The problem is when it's been bad, it's been really bad. It's 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 not just you know you're struggling a little. It's you're going to walk five or six guys. That that can't happen. And then of course there's the fielding issues. Three errors again last night. Chris Lomonis, I mean, he was adamant this weekend. You know, they played error-free baseball Saturday, Sunday, and he's like, look, this is what we're going to be doing. We are a good defensive team. And then you go out and have three more errors on Saturday. So that that's, that's, oh, I'm sorry, on Tuesday. That's tough. That's a tough pill to swallow. State is currently fielding 955. And you're thinking, oh, 96%. That's not it. No, it's terrible. That's a terrible fielding percentage if you don't know. Uh, it's, well, it's last in the SEC, as you might imagine, as they are in walks uh, as well. Walks and errors. If you're just giving away bases in non-conference play, in conference play, that's what turns into like 13 to two games. That's what turns into games you can't you can't do anything. Now, offensively, this team has been pretty good so far. Obviously, at the top of the order, Imani Larry and Colton Ledbetter have been fantastic. Um, I feel like Hunter Hines is starting to come around a little bit. Uh, Slate Alford has been pretty consistent thus far. Luke Hancock, which you would expect, been pretty consistent. Dakota Jordan is still finding some things, but the talent there is super obvious. Uh, Bryce Chance has been good. I think Ross Highfill has been very good, another young player who I think can be a a cornerstone of the future for Mississippi State behind the plate. There's a lot to be excited about with this team. They have talent. It's just they've got to find – everybody's got to find their roles and get them defined, and they've got to make this – defensively, they just have to be better. You can't win games in the SEC with errors. You know, one a game is too many. Three in a game is is ridiculous. You, you just can't play baseball like that. So, but, you know, we say all that, and they still won last night. And maybe there's something to, you know, to take away from that. Maybe it's like, look, guys, we played about as poorly as we possibly could have. We gave USM every opportunity that we could have and still walked away with the win. So what happens when we play well? Are we unbeatable at that point? I don't I don't know what the, the message Chris Lamontis would give his guys is, but to, to win a game like that when you don't play your best, and in, in reality you might have played about as poorly as you could have, and still found a way to get the win. Impressive. I don't know what's going on with Southern either. Southern is they gave up Southern, if I did the math right, they gave up three runs in their first four games. And in the last four games they've given up forty five runs. Somebody somebody, plug, unplug Southern and plug them back in. Something's not working there for them. All right, big weekend for MSU Sports. We'll talk about everything that's on the schedule when we come back. This is Thunder and Lightning Live here on Super Talk Mississippi. Be. I am absolutely and completely thunderstruck. Let's wrap things up here. On this uh, Wednesday evening, Thunder and Lightning Live, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for tuning in. I do always appreciate you guys making time on a Wednesday to spend it with me. I want to remind you guys that country music superstar Morgan Wallen is coming to Oxford, and Super Talk Mississippi is giving you a chance to win tickets. Send your name at one of our registration boxes, boxes located throughout the state. For example, you can register to win by going to Got Gear Motorsports in Ridgeland, Celebration Nutrition in Columbus, or at Black Sheep Boutique in Tupelo, and many, many more. So go to supertalk.fm slash Morgan Wallen to find the full list of registration locations. Find one near you. Winners are going to get two sweet seat tickets to see Morgan Wallen at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium Sunday, April 23rd. It's all brought to you by our friends at First South Farm Credit, King's Daughters Medical Center, Jumpstart Test Prep, and Toyota of Brookhaven. That concert is going to be wild. What a wild weekend in Oxford, too. With I think it's LSU weekend going on there. Goodness gracious. Um, and, of course, here at Mississippi State, we've got uh, Super Bulldog Weekend. is just, gosh, a few, uh, few weeks away. It's uh, April 14th through the 16th here. Uh, Mississippi State, Ole Miss for baseball for that one. Of course, the spring game and the Brett Eldridge concert over at uh, Diddy Noble Field. So a lot going on in our great state. I like to see that. Uh, spring football practice actually starts next week, believe it or not. The Zach Arnett era gets up and running on Tuesday, March 7th. That will be the first practice of the uh, of the spring for them, they'll get a couple practices in, then take off for spring break, and then uh, you know practice here and there all the way up until that spring game on, the, on April fifteenth. I think we talked about it a little bit last week. That that game is going to be a little bit more of an actual game than we've seen in years past, where it was more of a scrimmage and sort of controlled, and you know we're going to do this, that, and the other. This is, this will be more of an actual game, which I'm a fan of. Uh, so speaking of actual games, we got a lot of them this weekend that you need to have your eyes on. Starting tomorrow. Uh, Mississippi State's women's te- basketball team starts their SEC tournament run. Uh, they will take on Texas A&M uh, tomorrow afternoon. Uh, if they win that game in advance, they will take on the Ole Miss Rebels on uh, on Friday, which is interesting, of interest to all of us under normal circumstances. But don't forget that Richard and I have our bet to see who's going to have to wear the other's uh, regalia at the Palmer Home Radiothon. I am currently leading that 5-2. to two. A Mississippi State win in that game would make me uh, to the point where I could only he could only tie me, and then he would have to get all four baseball games to do that. Seems unlikely, so I'd feel really, really good if Coach Purcell could uh, take Coach Yo down in that game. That would that would almost uh, seal the the victory up for me. And then obviously this weekend, uh, Frisco Baseball Classic, Mississippi State, Ohio State, Mississippi State, Oklahoma, Mississippi State, Cal, in that order. Uh, the only streaming options are are local ones if you're a d1 baseball subscriber they're running a special where you can stream all weekend long uh, from that but as far as like ESPN plus SEC network plus nada so if you're looking for that it's not going to happen you can always listen to uh to Jim Ellis on your local super talk affiliate uh, to, to, to listen to the games but if you want to watch you're gonna have to stream via those and those are pay options you are gonna have to pay an extra fee I think it's 999 a day or 2499 uh, for the weekend. So go to d1baseball.com. you get more information uh, there. So that's baseball this weekend. And then basketball, 730 tip in Nashville. Uh, Mississippi State basically playing. I don't know that's it's an elimination game. I don't know that I would go that far. But it is a massive game. If State wins that game, I'll stake everything that they get into the NCAA tournament, they would be twenty-one and ten. They would be nine and nine in the conference, and they would be uh, their net would be somewhere between thirty-eight and forty-two. At worst, it might jump up. That's a quad-two win if they get it. It could jump back up to like thirty-seven, thirty-six. Obviously, got to watch other things. What's what's going on around? You know, net is not just about your team. It's about everybody else. You got to see who who loses and who wins. But if State wins that game, I would bet anything that they will not have to sweat on Selection Sunday. And then the SEC tournament starts next week. I, won't, I Like I said, when we talked about that earlier, the seating on that is just a mess right now. We'll figure that out when we get there. Uh, but a massive week, a big weekend for Mississippi State sports. If they, they need to find some wins all over the place. Obviously, you'd like to have a nice run in, in the women's tournament. The women are in as well. They're in the tournament. They, 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 no questions asked, uh, no matter what happens uh, t- uh, tomorrow with the Texas A&M game. If, I mean, a win is great, but... They can lose that game. They'll still be comfortably in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Baseball, if they win two out of three this weekend, they have a three-in-one week. Again, I won't have the whole baseball's back discussion, but I will definitely tell you they're trending in the right direction. And then basketball, like I said, a win, and we can start talking about Mississippi State, the NCAA tournament, where they're going to be heading, seeding, potential matchups, all the fun stuff. That comes with postseason basketball that we haven't had the past, you know, since twenty nineteen was the last time that, that Mississippi State was in the Big Dance. The last bracketology I saw, by the way, just a quick note: uh, three Mississippi schools were in that. Uh, you obviously had Mississippi State making it as an at-large, but Joe Lenardi predicted USM to win the Sun Belt Conference tournament. They would there if I get the uh the automatic qualifier there, and then he also had the Alcorn State Braves winning the SWAC Conference tournament and they would be an automatic qualifier. He had them in the first four, as you can imagine. I think as a 16 seed, if they won their game, they would take on Alabama is how he had them seeded. So that would be a tough matchup, obviously, for Alcorn. But three Mississippi schools in the the NCAA tournament would be a lot of fun, I think, for us, especially on Sports Talk Mississippi. All right, guys, have a good one. Talk to you again next week, and, of course, talk to you tomorrow on Sports Talk Mississippi. I'm Brian Haydad, Rhino down there in Studio X. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning Live here on Super Talk Mississippi.